Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Well, thank you. So nice to see some old friends here today that I haven't seen for a while. And uh, it's just great to be here. I don't know. It's, it's just a lovely place to be. I just love being here. Ah, right. Well, do you know what? Um, I was in Israel not long ago in December. And so this morning, I've... Oh, you, ha- you can't hear me? You can hear me now? Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, right. So it's been really lovely. Uh, I, I, in December, I went to Israel and had a fabulous time with many Koreans. Uh, there were Koreans from the whole of the peninsula, which means north and south. And I uh, had a wonderful time with them. And today, because I was going to preach um, on Palm Sunday, I brought this necklace, which was made by a Bedouin. And I thought I'd bring this because I thought I'd do, be one of the crowd later. And I thought I'd kind of do a little bit of something with this. So, first of all, I don't know what your weeks, past two weeks, have been like. Uh, sometimes we get those weeks, don't we? When we say, what a week. Sometimes we have years. And I can see there have been some very difficult weeks. And we know in our congregation recently. Uh, sometimes we can say a year. What a terrible year this has been. And um, if I had known what was going to happen to our family in the last two weeks, I probably would have flown off to Bermuda or something. I would have loved to avoid it. But anyway, there are some things that are not, are avo- are not you can't avoid them. And this is a week in the history of Jesus. Um, I wouldn't say that he wanted to avoid it, but I would say it was a very hard week for him especially before the crucifixion, just before. And so we're celebrating Palm Sunday, the beginning of quite a tragic week. But Jesus rode on a donkey. He rode on a donkey into Jerusalem, and uh, they're on their way to the Passover feast, like thousands of other pilgrims who were there. It's amazing. I think Josephus said there was at one time three million um, at this Passover feast. Can you imagine that number in Israel? It's very difficult to imagine that. But in the Bible, uh, Jesus' followers are on the way to the Passover feast, and uh, where the Roman road uh, climbs from Jericho over the Mount of Olives. It has an elevation of 2,600 feet, and it, uh, stands directly opposite the Jewish temple. So, Here we are, just imagine that you are there now in Israel with Jesus. And they're shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, I was thinking about those followers and and I thought that perhaps I could just imagine for one moment, please help me, you have to use your imagination because I might have a bit of a Welsh accent. So I thought I would be... Mary Magdalene, and I'm on my way. I'm going down and I'm joining in this feast. My name is Mary. Some people who don't know me well call me Mary Magdalene because I'm from the area of Magdala. Of course, my name means strong tower, but I am only strong 
when I'm with him. You wouldn't believe what's happening on the way to on the road to Jerusalem. Two of our company have just brought the donkey that the teacher has just asked them to get. I've been traveling with the teacher for some time now. There are many more influential women with us. He doesn't worry about our credentials. Just look at me. I was a reject, discarded by society, crazy, out of my mind. And now I find myself following this fella, even helping this crew. And you know, it's not drudgery looking after someone like him. He only has to stand before you and your heart melts. Your feet and your hands, they just long to serve him. If I didn't know him, I'd still be off my mind, off my rocker, out of my mind. I was demon-possessed. He was the one who healed me. And to serve him is the best thing that's ever happened to me. He's like a king, but not like one who lords it over you. We follow the servant king, one who is ready to listen to you, to talk to you, to reason with you. Somehow, he knows exactly who I am and what I'm about. He meets me just where I am, even in those slippery places. He accepted me. He didn't send me away like the rest of them. And look now, so many people have been healed. There was the blind beggar and the most recent Lazarus. The beggar can now see in Lazarus. Well, he was dead and he's now alive. It's not fake news. It's the truth. The teacher has been staying in, with them in Bethany, Lazarus and his family, this week. But now, today, the donkey. Well, I couldn't believe it. The Romans wouldn't be seen dead riding on such a mule. The baby one at that. And one that had never been ridden on before. Look, he's coming. He's coming. If we don't cry out... The very stones, he said, would cry out. Will you shout with me? Hosanna! Here, he's coming! They're throwing cloaks on the donkey, and he's getting on as if he were a king or something. Wow, there's such a crowd here today. Keeping up with him is difficult. The Romans, they have their large horses prepared for war. But he's on a donkey and all those who know the good book, they say that this means he comes in peace and humility. Solomon himself rode on King David's donkey when he was anointed king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Blessed is the king who comes to save us. Blessed is the king who has healed me. So what about the rest of Jesus' followers and the others who are in the crowd? 
they seemed ready for this King Jesus to save them from the Romans. The Jewish people were wanting a redeemer, a messiah. He had been prophesied through the ages. But I want us this morning to think more about the king, the king Jesus. Should we dare to think about what he was thinking at that moment in time? For he's different from all of us, and he was different from all of them. He knew the week ahead of him. He knew exactly what was ahead of him. The people, like us, know only that which is happening at the moment. No one had understood what Jesus had meant when he said, in three days I will destroy the temple and will raise it again. That he actually meant his own death, followed by his resurrection. He knew the suffering that he would encounter. But we don't want to know that kind of news, do we? Nobody wants to know that kind of news. Death and suffering. The disciples didn't want to accept that their great friend, their healer and leader was going to suffer and die. We humans, we find it difficult to talk about suffering and death. We want everything to be okay, right? We know a little of what the disciples were thinking with their shouts, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. They loved the fact that the king was coming, asserting his authority over Jerusalem. But sadly, they were blinded by the wisdom of their age. They saw only a temporary kingship, a political venue. Tell us continue to think about that again. What was the king of kings? And we are daring to do that because we know that he is God. Thinking. What was he thinking as he was traveling to Jerusalem on that donkey? We have some clues. While everyone was praising him for all that he had done and was doing for them, Jesus could not help but understand what was truly happening. I can see him now as he comes up, and I can see that view over Jerusalem. And he was looking over the view. And what happened? Jesus wept. Can you imagine that in the middle of the people celebrating his kingship? He was weeping. He wasn't weeping for himself. He wasn't thinking, oh, this is a bad week. I'm going to have some terrible week. I don't want to do this. This is just something I just don't want to do. No, he wasn't weeping for himself, but he was weeping for his people, for those he had come to save. He longed for the people of Israel to accept him, believe in his kingship, kingship, believe in his reign, reign. He wasn't concerned about his self-aggrandizement, but he was concerned about a reign that would bring in the kingdom of God, of peace and not hatred. 
they had not understood. In fact, the scripture tells us that the message was hidden from their eyes. Only Jesus knew what was going to happen during the week of all weeks, and he even knew what would happen in the future years when Israel would be devastated, where not one stone would be left upon another. Jesus was weeping, not because of his own destruction, but because he could see our hearts. He could see their hearts. He could see that the people would not accept him. There are many scriptures that echo the same thing. In Corinthians 2.8, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the king of glory. They knew only the wisdom of their own age. When Jesus wept, he also expresses what's going on in his mind. And as he looked over Jerusalem, Jesus said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. That verse really got to me when I was studying this. If you, even you, had only known what would bring you peace. So many times in our lives, we are so distracted, aren't we? We think peace will come from any other source. We will find peace here. We will find something here. But we often leave Jesus as the very last thing that we go to. In Matthew 23, 37 to 39, there's the words, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often... Would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not? At that time, it was hidden from the eyes of the rulers, and it was also hidden from the eyes of the disciples. It was not until after the resurrection that the disciples understood what Jesus had foretold about his death and resurrection. And here we are, all of us, 2,000 years later. Are we any different? What have we learned from the past? I say that to myself all the time. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit will remind me of all the incredible things that Jesus has done in my life. And then there are moments where the darkness and you can't, I can't, the faith is so limited. The faith is so small. I think we all know those times. Those weeks and those years are sometimes hard. But it's in them, isn't it interesting? It's in those hard times that we really do find him. It's in those times when we desperately cry out to God that we really do find him. That day he came riding on a mule, a 
symbol of peace, not war. Can you imagine? I expect some of them are laughing at him, a little tiny thing it must have been, a little baby. And Jesus, they'd thrown, thrown the cloaks on top. But of course, those who... What was interesting to me, too, the Pharisees, who should have recognized that this mule was of royal significance, uh, you know, they didn't. It's really interesting to me. And here he is. He had fulfilled so many things that the scripture had foretold. And as I, I think of this, so how easy it is for us to be blinded by the wisdom of our own age, of our own selves, so much so that we resist God's truth and we resist his wisdom. This is crazy wisdom, but it's wonderful crazy wisdom that God should, through the death of his own son, save us. It is. It's incredible, crazy wisdom. It's a story that I think we could never have made up. Who could have made up such a story that God would send his son for us? The truth and the love and the wisdom of this story is beyond our human imagination. That God himself should die for his own creation so that we can find, what do we find? There's one thing I know when I get to the bottom and my faith is small, I think of the servant king. When I was in Jerusalem, I went to the Holocaust Center and in my lifetime I had many friends I have had friends who have gone through the Holocaust. I remember sitting in a room in Saul Gillis's home, and two women, his sisters, were there, and on their arms they had numbers. They had gone through the Holocaust. I know another friend who just who's passed away two years ago, and 17 of his people had died. Seven, and they, his, actually, his family were buried alive. And he couldn't believe in God, but he acted like God. He was a wonderful man. He was beautiful man. And as I was in this, sent this Holocaust museum, I was saying to God as I was going around, we're all going around on our own, I was saying to God, God, I've heard it all, I've seen it all, I've heard lots of, you know, I, I, I listened to the, about the World War I, World War II, I have friends in the Holocaust, who went through the Holocaust, what is this place doing for me? I said, please, Lord, show me something while I go through here that is different, something that will somehow draw me closer to you because even crucifixion, Lord, is very much similar to the Holocaust. Show me, Lord. And I walked through that place, and by the end of it, I suddenly realized why I worship who I worship. I thought of Kim Jong-il, the North Korean leader. Then I thought of Hitler, two leaders. People hailed Hitler, didn't they? And then I thought of my King Jesus. 
and I thought of the servant king. And I think that's what keeps me and my faith going, to know that I have this servant king. This servant king who gave his all for me. Mary Magdalene must have, you know, had such a heart for the Lord. She had seven demons. Imagine being released, being put back into your own sane mind. That's what Jesus actually does for all of us, doesn't he? He makes us sane. He gives us the peace. He gives us grace. And he gives us love. And we are so hard. We need lots of help to see. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to see him. Because so often we are blind. We are blind because we just listen to the words of this world. And we forget. Jesus, our Savior, fully God, fully human, endured our rejection. He endured our rejection for our sake. He knew the wisdom of the Father, and yet as a human he would struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, not my will, but thine. Jesus came as a lowly servant. That's what gets our heart, isn't it? He came as a lowly servant, not wanting to conquer a city or a country, but wanting to conquer our hearts. Not by force, but by offering us peace and forgiveness. Just as he healed Mary Magdalene, he wants to heal us and show us that the way forward is not through the wisdom of this world, but it's the wisdom, the foolishness, the foolishness of the cross. If there's anyone, our weeks are difficult. Annie knows what's happened in our weeks. And uh, there are difficult weeks. There are people that are suffering dreadful things in this world. And uh, suffering is part of our life. Um, And yet, we can bring it to Christ because he has been and is the suffering servant. So could you pray with me? And if anyone needs prayer today for any difficulty that they're going through, there are many of us that would love to help you, okay? So let's pray that Jesus would open our eyes that we may truly see that he only can bring the peace. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. And we thank you that you are the one that can bring us peace through your Holy Spirit. And I pray for each of us now that you will bless us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, that we may grow more and more close to you and that we may truly have eyes to see what is true and that you are truth. For your sake we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.